Well, thank you for repeating that first verse. I needed it. My mind had wandered, and when it came back, you know, by repeating that, it sunk in. <laughs> Life without thee is a bitter thing. Uh, the Sunday school lesson today, God is, God is light. And um, as, we, as we look around us, there's a lot of darkness going on. Um, there's, if you Google um, this morning, just out of interest, I Googled um, what are the current wars going on around the world? And it listed a few that are maybe not outright, you know, they're kind of simmering, but there are conflicts to watch that could become a big deal um, at any moment. But they listed 10. And I had to think of Matthew 24, where the disciples, you know, Jesus said, I'm leaving. And they said, well, what are the signs of your returning? And that is one of the things that he mentioned is that there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. <clears throat> Maybe before we turn there, I just had to think there was a couple anniversaries. What, today is two months that Shalom um, passed on and was Tuesday, MJ's, 10 years or nine years? I couldn't remember. So it was 2014. Yeah, I know it was 13 or 14. But I think those are some of the things that if we don't look to God, who is light, death is a dark thing, right, without God. Um, and Matthew 24, verse 3, And he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us when shall these things be? He had just gone through a chapter, a couple, yeah, basically a chapter of teaching and talking about the weeping over Jerusalem and the destruction that's going to come. And then the disciples say, when is this going to be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you. Take heed that no man deceive you. Um, the Holy Spirit um, God has given so that he dwells in us and so that we don't be deceived. But he says, take heed. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. There's still some safe havens in the world, isn't there, for Christians? Here it says there's coming a time when the Christian, the believer, the follower of God will be hated by all nations. You know, historically, people have moved, right? We even see the disciples doing that. Jesus told them, go um, from one city to the next. And 
We know that there's, I mean, one conflict I think of is when a bunch of Russian Mennonites moved to the Americas. You know, they moved, they left. There was a safe place they could go to. Here it's saying there's coming a time when there will not be a safe place. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. You know, in these in stressful times, we look for answers, right? Um, where, where are we going to run to? Am I going to run to God or am I going to run somewhere else? And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. There's so much evil in the world. Where is God? And so then our love goes cold but toward God and toward one another. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached unto all nations. I had to, th in thinking about what in dark times, what is God's answer? How does God overcome evil? <clears throat> and my mind went to a story that I remember from years ago that a teacher told us in class, and it really stood out to me. Gladys Aylward um, was a missionary to China, and there was a riot. She had, she had worked there for a number of years. I don't remember how many years, and the local... Um, what did they call him? The Mandarin, the ruler of that that area. He came to her. They had a they had a working relationship, and he respected her. And he came to her and said, "There's a riot at the in the prison. Um, you need to come." And she's like, "What's she going to do?" Um, what can she take into a riot in a prison? Here, a guy, one of the men in there, the prison conditions were terrible. They didn't feed them enough. They didn't have anything to do. Even minor offenses, they were put in there for life. They had no hope of getting out. There was no due process like we're used to here. And we think, well, that's terrible. And so these men are in there without hope. And riots would break out. What do... Um, and so this guy had gotten an axe and was going around killing people. And <clears throat> they put her into the midst of that because they, they trusted that her faith and her love for these men would win. And she said she goes walking in there, and this guy comes toward her carrying the axe. And she looks him in the eye and says, give that to me. And he ended up giving it to her, and she... Uh, went back into the prison and brought reform. She had the men raise rabbits for food. She got them busy providing for themselves, gave them jobs to do. Um, but as we think about that, and we look around at the wars that are going on, we as mankind have a choice to make. What is the most powerful force in the world? What is the most powerful force? 
And what I believe on this will make a difference on how I walk. We, heard, we talked about walking in Sunday school, but what I do with my life depends on this, my answer to this question. What is the most powerful force in the universe? What do you think? Okay, the love of God. When Gladys Aylward walked into that prison, she walked in with the love of God. But if I believe that um, nuclear power, let's say we could have a small energy plant, you know, the U.S. could have boundless energy if they would have stayed with nuclear back in the 70s, 60s, 70s, whatever. But they made a poor decision. And so we say, if we would just have all the nuclear energy that we need, that would solve the world's problems. Or a ruler with the backing of the church says, that country over there is in, in the wrong, and we're going to go straighten them up. What power is he using? They, they go with bombs and bullets. And what they're saying is love is not the most powerful force. But this new hypersonic missile is the most powerful force. This is going to convince other nations to um, respect me or stay away from me, or I'm going to conquer other nations with this new weapon. And so countries are racing to come up with ways to conquer by force, um, by destructive force. Love is not a destructive force, is it? It is for building and fellowship and light. Can the world run be run by love. People have wrestled with that question. Um, you know, in the Middle Ages, you had the ungodly hordes threatening the church, you know, the Roman Catholic Church. Well, we have to fight to keep them out of Europe. What do you do with that? What is the most powerful force in the universe? It is love. And then a couple weeks ago, you know, you see Hamas just go in and slaughter a bunch of people, and then Israel slaughters a bunch of people back. You know, this back and forth. That is the, the kingdom of this world at war with each other. And what do I believe? Do I pick sides? Do I think that there's anything in that kingdom that I should be a part of? <clears throat> going back to uh, Gladys Aylward her trip to get to China it was amazing that she got there I mean it was a miracle she took the train all across Europe <coughs> I think she was from Britain but she took the train all across Europe got into Russia Russia was at war with China or Japan? I don't remember. And so the train got so far, and they said, we don't go any farther because that's where the front is. They're fighting. We can't take you to China. And so she's on a front line, and she wants to get to the other side. And it's a miracle that she made it through. So she gets there, and she wants to meet up with... Um, 
Now, Jenny, is it Jenny Lawson? Something like that. I forget her name, a veteran minute, uh, missionary over there, an older lady. And <clears throat> so she meets up with her, and she said, under any other circumstances, they had never met before, but she had heard that she needed help. Her, I think her husband had died, and she was looking for a younger helper. And so she's going to China on her own to help Mrs. Lawson. She said, under any other circumstances, we would not have been partners. We would not have chosen to work together. We would not have chosen to live together. But God brought them together. And it was, there was a lot of good came out of that relationship that they had. Well, then Mrs. Lawson, I don't know what the time period was. A few years later, she was leaning on a balcony railing and it broke and she fell and ended up dying from her injuries of that fall. And so now Gladys Aylward is in China without the backing of a mission because she was working with Mrs. Lawson who was under China Inland Mission, but China Inland Mission wouldn't send Gladys Aylward because they said, You're not, you, you don't have the makings of a missionary. She couldn't make it in college, their college. She basically got kicked out of their college. She tried to send other people. She said, someone needs to go to China. Finally, she was like, you know what? When God calls me to do something, I will never again try to get someone else to do it. Um, and so she decided, you know what? It's my calling to go to China, even though everybody's telling me that I can't do it. She said, I thought God called the rich, the educated, but God calls the willing. God calls the willing. And then she said later in life, she said, I prayed and prayed after Mrs. Lawson died. She prayed that God would send a man from Britain to come and propose to her. She said, I was so lonely and I felt I could be a good team with a husband here. And she said, I am positive that God called him, but he never answered. <laughs> but in that, talking about the relationship in 1 John there, as I refreshed that story in my mind, I had to think of, here's a lady that walked with God. She was in relationship to say, I know that he called somebody, but he didn't respond. She walked with God. <clears throat> Maybe just uh, getting back to conflicts around the world. <clears throat> I know some of the, sometimes it's, we don't like to be faced with what's happening, but global conflicts right now. Of course, Russia and Ukraine have been in the news for, it's going to be two years pretty soon. <clears throat> Then there's, and I have never even heard of this, Nagorno-Karabakh. I don't even know how to say it. It's in the South Caucasus. Armenia and Azerbaijan are headed for another confrontation. Um, Iran, the protests have rocked Iran for months. The regime has killed hundreds in a brutal response. Uh, Yemen, uh, the fighting's kind of on hold, but 
I think some missiles have been fired out of there recently, last week, against the U.S. presence in the area. Ethiopia. Um, I think that's, they might have an agreement. Fighting's on hold for a little bit now, but um, Democratic Republic of the Congo. Congo. <clears throat> They're trying to restore calm there. I mean, some of these places are kind of in the background. I haven't seen them on the news for a while, but they're still simmering. Burkina Faso, Mali, and Niger. Niger. I always forget how to say that. Um, are struggling with Islamist insurgencies. Haiti. president was murdered in 2021, and that has not settled down yet. Pakistan. They're entering election year, facing the aftermath of devastating floods, struggling economy, and an is Islamist militancy. Taiwan, kind of a flashpoint between the U.S. and China. That would be big if something would start there. Um, so just, you know, as we look around, that is the kingdoms of this world. fighting each other. And we as believers are not to have, we are not to do war that way. We are to do war in the spiritual. Um, and there is just, there is more work to be done, I believe, in the spiritual. And we need to be rising to that challenge. Because if we are not taking on the challenge, we are built to, um, to accomplish and achieve and press forward, right? God made us and put us in the garden on the earth to dress and keep it, right? And to build and to um, accomplish things. But that got diverted. Satan short-circuited that. And so we go to other methods to accomplish what we believe is our purpose on earth. And, and we have all, all kinds of ways of convincing ourselves. I mean, even now, our government has done it, does it every time there's a conflict. Putin has done it in Russia, convincing the people that this is a, a righteous war, right, against Ukraine. They're, they're wicked. And Orthodox leadership is supporting the Russian government in attack. I'm like, how can this be that, but it has happened all through history. And so where is, um, what is the answer? Where is our hope? I'd like to read some verses in James 3. <clears throat> James 3 starts out talking about controlling the tongue. Then in verse 13, it <coughs> goes into, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. So what is wisdom? 
But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. So we're bitter envying and strife. Don't glory in that, because that's not from God. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. And we see that played out around the world in all these conflicts. Verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Just spending a little bit of time there on verse 17, what does God's wisdom look like? You're going back to James 1, verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, and that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. So when I come up against things that I don't know what to do with, where do I go? Do I ask God for wisdom? I'm, I'm beginning to see that so often I don't. I am um, debating tell this story but so a simple thing I thought maybe God did took such a simple thing because I'll remember it and then because it to me it's like well this isn't that important but maybe it is I don't know but it's a physical thing that if I can remember this in a spiritual reality um, I'll believe I have learned something so on my camper I had a water leak and in trying to fix it, if I would have left it alone, I think it would have been okay. It had just a little drip, hardly anything. But in trying to fix it, I made it bad enough that now I had to fix it. Something had to, had to be fixed. And um, it's black plastic. Hardly anything sticks to that stuff, that ABS. I hate that stuff. And um, so I had tried some JB putty stuff that's supposed to... It didn't stick, and it was in that process that I made it worse. <coughs> so I got home Monday evening before going to leaving for elk camp on Tuesday. And it's like, I'm not going to have water unless I can get this thing figured out tonight. I thought I started working on it early enough that it wasn't going to be a last night thing, but lo and behold, it was. And <coughs> so I'm laying under there and have some clear weld. Marvin gave me some. I had some at home then, but I didn't know how much I had or if I had it actually. And so he had given me some, and I'm laying under there, and I could not get it dry. It just kept seeping water because of a fitting that was there, and there's water. I'm, you know, I'm sure there's water laying in there. And I was like, well, it's no use trying to put this stuff on here if I can't get it dry. And I kept trying things, trying about three different things, and finally I'm like, you know what? This is the definition of insanity. Trying the same thing over and over, getting frustrated, hoping for different results. And I had the thought, I believe God kind of prompted me, why don't you go inside and wait till you have an answer? I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go inside and wait till I have an answer. And so I went inside, ended up praying with Charlou, and she's like, after we get done praying, she said, I had a thought while, while you were praying. Um, why don't you just jack up the front of the camper? 
And I was like, brilliant. Why didn't I think of that? You know, it's just got a button there. I can push it, and the camper goes up, and the water ran to the back of the tank, and it got dry. And I put the glue on, and next morning when I put water in, no, there was a little drip from another leak, but that leak was fixed. And, um, but when I had gone in, what was impressed on my mind, and this is what was key, I believe, is to wait until I have an answer. Instead of just going in circles, going in circles, worrying about this thing, just say, okay, God, if you have something to show me, I am going to wait until I have an answer. And in that case, the answer came pretty quick. And it kind of surprised me, and I went out, and it worked, and it's still working. Um, but I'll, get, I'll circle back to that again, because in James 4 here, then, we're going to see what is the answer um, for wisdom. But this wisdom that is from above is first pure. It's not carnal. Matthew 5 says that the pure in heart shall see God. So this wisdom is first pure. It's not of this world. It's above this world. And then it's peaceable. It brings peace. Those that are peacemakers are the children of God. So am I going to go take my guns and try to take over another country or take over my neighbor or whatever? Or am I going to work for peace? What works for peace? We are the children of God as we work for peace. Gentle. This wisdom is gentle. It's patient. That's something to learn. I've had to learn that one. Still learning to be patient. It says if we lack this wisdom, what? Ask of God. God, give me patience. Help me in this thing. This... <clears throat> Wisdom is easy to be entreated. It is reasonable, easily obeying. Am I approachable? Am I quickly, will I quickly obey God as his spirit? Will I listen to someone else's thoughts? That's a, that's a challenge, isn't it? God's wisdom is reasonable. It's full of mercy kindness and goodwill. Am I full of kindness? God's wisdom is, if I'm lacking, I can ask him. And it's full of good fruits. It's unwavering. It takes a clear stand. It's not partial. It says without partiality. If I am one way one day and another way another day, that's not the wisdom of God. God's with, God is unchanging. And it's without hypocrisy. This wisdom from God is sincere and undisguised. Am I hiding something? Controlling who sees the real me? That's not part of godly wisdom. So where do I stand on godly wisdom? I still need to seek after God and say, God, give me more of your wisdom. Going into <coughs> chapter 4, James 4, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? 
Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Here again we're reminded that we can ask and God will give us what we need. It might not be what I think, because in verse 3 he goes on to say, Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do ye think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother, and judgeth his brother, speaketh evil of the law, and judgeth the law. But if ye judge, but if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? There in that closing, in verse 12 there, there is one lawgiver. That also makes a difference in what I believe about that. In the Sunday school in 1 John there, we talked about there is only one light source. God is the only light source, right? Do I believe that? Here's another only one thing. There's only one lawgiver, and it's not me and you. So as we see this around us, what is, you know, John said, as, as we're sitting there going through First John, I was like, wow, this kind of fits in with the message. Um, at least in my mind it did as I'm thinking about this. There is only one, <clears throat> he said, this is, the, this is the message, God is light. As we look around us and see all these wars going on and even the, the struggles, even among ourselves, you know, as we, in relationship, there's, I wish things were different. I wish this would happen. I wish, you know, why, why can't I get along with this other person? What is my view of God and, my, and the answer? Do I understand God's way? How does God intend for me to overcome evil? One thing here in the, these first set of like verses one through four is to recognize that I have the spirit within me what is desiring the things of the world. So that's who I am apart from God. Um, and then in, as we go into verse six, it says, but God gives more grace. God resists the proud, but he gives grace unto the humble. Submit to God, resist the devil, draw nigh to God, cleanse our hands, purify our hearts, ye double-minded. So don't have two purposes. Have one purpose, to follow God. Humble ourselves before God. So walk in relationship with God. 
What is the answer to the darkness around us and the darkness in our own hearts? It's to walk by the Spirit. I think right here is to walk in relationship with God, walk by the Spirit. And to put ourselves in that place where God gives grace and fellowship. I just had to think of that lesson for me in the water tank is not to um, just keep going on in my own way of doing things and trying to figure this out, but to say, God, I'm going to pray. I felt called by him. God wanted to make that lesson come home in my heart to wait until I had an answer. And so I was at the place where, like, I'll go on this trip without water in the camper. I don't like the thought, but... And so am I, am I at that place where I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm willing to stay there with God? That's really what, what needs to happen in our hearts. I am committed to staying with God in this thing. We as men, we want to do hard things. We're built for work. We're built to conquer. And I think that's why in the flesh, in the world, that men go to that. I am going to get a bigger tank than you, and I'm going to come run you over. Men were built to conquer. We're built to do hard things. But as believers in God, our weapons are spiritual. We are called to let God's spirit work in our lives and help our brothers and sisters to see God's kingdom, to help the unbeliever to see God's kingdom. That is what we are called to and to seek ways to express the abundant life of God to others. How can I express the abundant life of God? God, do this in me. I'm not the happiest looking person all the time. God, if I'm supposed to express your abundant life, I need you to do that in me. Um, In the midst of this trial, in the midst of the struggle that I'm having. What is the condition of the church today? Are we known as people that are walking by the Spirit? As we look across the church landscape, what do we think of? Do we see people that are full of the Spirit? Or do we see lots of people, maybe us included, trying to work it out in the flesh? Going back, as we walk with God, God, it says here that God will give grace um, for what he has called us to do. Going back to Gladys Aylward, she, part of the reason she was kicked out of school is she couldn't learn uh, Chinese, and she wanted to go to China. I don't know what happened once she got to China. If she learned it as she lived among them, I'm sure. But men thought that she couldn't do it. And yet God had called her, and she was willing to go. She was working as a maid. She didn't have enough money for the plane, the train 
across Europe. And so one of the things, she had a very nice pair of leather shoes, very comfortable. So she went to Woolworths and, yeah, there's Woolworths. This was in the 30s. Um, so a little less than 100 years ago. And in their reject bin, she found two shoes her size that she could buy for really inexpensively, but they were both left feet. She bought them, went around the co corner and pawned her nice leather shoes and she went the whole way to China with those shoes that were both left feet. Now, I think she paid for it later because her, her foot got injured from that. But the Mandarin came to her at one point is after Jenny Lawson had died and she didn't know what she was gonna do, how she was gonna support herself, but she didn't feel she was supposed to leave. She said, I'm called to be here and God brought me here. And um, he came to her and said, there's a new law in China that's outlaws It made it illegal to bind the feet of little girls. And he said, I want you to find someone to go around and train all the villagers to pass this word around and to and to unbind the ones that would still were sal salvageable. I don't know at what age that, that was still, you know, they could unbind them and they'd still be okay. But she, well, she doesn't know anybody else that can do it. And she said, but I came to China to build the church, not to work for the Mandarin. And so she wrestled with this thing and, and then realized, you know what? God is in this. And she ended up traveling all over that region and she'd come into a village. She said, on one condition, she said, I'll go do it as long as I can tell my Bible stories about my God everywhere I go. And he agreed to that. And so she traveled. Um, that became her source of income because she's working for the government and they're paying her to go spread the gospel. And so she traveled and she'd go into a village and they always had a some kind of a speaker spot. I forget what they called it. And when someone went there and started speaking, all the village would gather. And so she would tell them about the new law and unbinding, you know, they need to unbind the, the um, baby's feet. And she'd tell them about God. And she spread the gospel that way. And, um, but in all that traveling, she had trouble with her foot. And so I think the Mandarin had, what do you call those chairs that they would ride in? But he'd have men carry her around so she didn't have to walk the mountain passes and stuff. Um, so she was in a hard spot, lonely, did not have a way to make a living in China. She had committed herself to there. She tore up her British passport and applied for Chinese um, citizenship, which she got. She said, I'm here. These are my people. Um, and I'm not going back. And in that, when it seemed like it was at the end, God's grace came through. Another thing she said when she was still in England saving money to go, she said, crossing the ocean will not make me a missionary if I can't be one at home. So she went to the speaker's corner at the local park and would present the gospel and she got she got heckled there and but she said you know what i'm probably gonna have worse happen to me in china and she did she had stuff thrown at her in china but 
Crossing the ocean will not make me a missionary. She was on the train and met a couple who committed to pray for her every day for the rest of their lives. But as they parted, they gave her, I don't know, a British pound maybe, um, which she was like, I can't use this where I'm going, but okay. So she kept it, and it's what saved her from the guards when she was crossing the, trying to get across into China. They were going to take her back to the Russian side, and she was like, hey, I got that British pound, and she pulled it out and gave it to them, and they were happy with it and left her go. And so even that little detail, we often don't know why God has given us something, whatever it is, but he knows what's coming. Yeah, and then there's, with World War II, she faced a lot of challenges, and uh, she ended up taking care of, I think, 100 children with all the, she already had a number of children, and then when the war came, the Japanese were bombing, and parents were killed, and there's children without that were orphaned, and she ended up taking care of them and getting them out to safety. And um, as you look at that and all the darkness in the world, where is our hope? It's in walking with the Spirit and listening to Him and putting ourselves in the place where God's grace um, is upon our lives. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Amen. By God's grace, may we do that.